Judge Jeanine Pirro. She's the outspoken host. Judge Jeanine Pirro is dominating the headlines right now. Tunnel to Towers Foundation presents the Judge Jeanine Pirro Show. Now, here's Judge Jeanine Pirro. Welcome, everyone, to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. I hope everyone is enjoying their day so far. It's a wonderful day here in New York City. Uh, but it's also kind of sad for me because it is the last Sunday before Labor Day, and it signals the end of summer. But I've got news for everybody. Summer isn't over until September 22nd. But that doesn't matter. You just get your head into a different place, and you kind of go from summer and the sun and the water and whatever you love about summer. And uh, now we're kind of looking forward to the fall and the leaves changing in the winter, which I'm not looking forward to, to be honest with you. So I'm going to enjoy today from start to finish and tomorrow, Labor Day. And so, as always, we're armed and ready to serve justice with all my great listeners here on the Red Apple Audio Network. Now, there's so much that happened this week in America. I got to tell you, uh, I'm going to start with uh, the president's speech. Uh, not the not the dark one, but the president's speech that he gave earlier in the week about making America safe. The president decided that he it was time for him to say that he is not in favor of defunding the police. He is in favor of the way he said it. Funding the police. So, uh, you know, the only thing is, I wish he said that in the summer of 2020 when they were burning down buildings and businesses and streets and police precincts and people were dying. But, um, you know, I guess he just decided, you know, 70 days before the midterm, it was time to talk about making sure that America was safe. You know, Mr. President, if you want to make America safe, the one thing you've got to do is you've got to change this cashless bail that allows criminals to literally come out of uh, uh, jail as soon as they're arrested before the paperwork is done, before the police officer goes home. But no, the president now is all in for making sure we're protected from these violent criminals. And the amazing part of it is that the president said that You know, with respect to drug crimes, what he's going to do is he's going to increase the penalties for fentanyl. Well, first of all, I was stunned. It's the first time I've heard the word fentanyl come off the uh, fentanyl come off the president's uh, come out of his mouth. Now, he says that he's going to increase penalties. Well, that's just great. But here's the problem. You can increase the penalties. But if you let the criminals out of jail before they even go to trial, you're never going to get a chance to uh, penalize them, sentence them, and certainly no chance to increase the penalties. And then the president started talking about the fact that he wanted to make sure that there were more police in the United States. And he's hoping to put, I think it was 100,000 more cops on the streets in the next five years. Well, that's great, folks. I, I couldn't be happier. I mean, welcome to the party, Mr. President. It's because of your party that they defunded police all over, trashed them, demoralized them, and police are leaving in record numbers. But the 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 idea of putting 100,000 police on the streets in five years is great. But he doesn't have any substance to it. It's just a thought. However, he's already gotten a bill passed where they're putting 87,000 new IRS agents uh, at a cost of $80 billion to you, 
who, some of whom will be carrying guns. That's a done deal. They are they are at school right now figuring out how they're going to how they're going to come out and check your check your tax returns. So the priority is IRS agents, and we know from the Obama administration that they weaponized that against conservatives. But at the same time, what's like wishful thinking and nice talk right before an election? And then, and then, you know, I said to myself, the way you stop fentanyl and all the problems of 100,000 Americans dying every year, and it will be even more, not because of uh, the, the drug overdose itself, but because of a poisoning of kids taking a pill that they think is a Xanax or an oxycodone or one that's imprinted just the way they make them in the pharmacies. No, no, this is a poisoning where kids innocently take a pill. And guess what? China and Mexico are all in. The precursor comes from China that's in an undeclared war to kill our kids because now they're making fentanyl in colored pills that look like candy, that look like Skittles, that look like anything your kid would be eating. And I'm telling you right now, whether you have kids or grandchildren, watch out on on Halloween. You do not want your kids eating candy. Now, one of the things that that the administration said this week, Karine Jean-Pierre, when Peter Ducey from Fox News says, you know, they're just walking across the border and, you know, we don't know who they are. And Karine Jean-Pierre actually says, and I think we've got this sound here, that no, they're, they're not walking in. That's not what's going on. Hit that one. Somebody unvaccinated comes over on a plane. You say that's not okay. Somebody walks into Texas or Arizona unvaccinated, they're allowed to stay. But, Why? But that's not how it works. Yeah. Like we actually no. I know that that's not what you guys want to happen, but that is what what is happening. But that's not. It's not like somebody walks over and <laughs> that's not. That's, that's not how. Exactly what's happening. We well, thousands of people are walking in a day. Some of them turn themselves over. Some of them are caught. Tens of thousands a week are not. That is what is happening. Okay. So they are literally from the White House, the West Wing, telling you that, no, they're not walking over across the border when the statistics this year are 2.3 million people will have come in from the time Biden was president. That's like a year and eight months, folks. And then here's the best part. of. It. And by the way, let me tell you what that conversation, the genesis of it was. Uh, Djokovic, the tennis player, he can't come into the United States because he's unvaccinated. But we let them in at the southern border sick. We don't care who they are. We don't test them. We don't vaccinate them. We just let them into the country and fly them all over the place. And but but it's OK for them, but not a world class professional tennis athlete. It's a sad commentary, but it gets better. Governor Greg Abbott from Texas, he decides that he's going to send people to Democrat-led cities because, after all, they're sanctuary cities, right? Sanctuary cities. They open their arms to illegals and to illegal immigrants. And if you commit a crime, they'll keep you there unless it's murder. Maybe they'll think about turning you in. So now Mayor Eric Adams is beside himself. He wants to send people to Texas to to uh, 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 campaign against Greg Abbott. But you know what, Mayor Adams? I thought this was a sanctuary city. It's a city of 8 million people. You can't take a few thousand immigrants while the southern border is overrun. 
But the classic was just later this week when Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, Abbott's sending in immigrants into her city. She says the, the, the Texas governor is a racist for sending immigrants into her city. He's a racist. The southern border is overwhelmed. The cities are overrun. Ranches have been destroyed. People are, uh, you know, inundated. The infrastructure is destroyed in some of these areas. And Chicago mayor is saying that the Texas uh, governor is racist. Why not say that to Joe Biden? Why not ask Joe Biden, you know, to let to help you out or to stop it? That's an idea. We've got another one then. And then we've got uh, the mayor, Muriel Bowser, from Washington, D.C. And what does she say? Muriel Bowser says, I want the National Guard. I want the National Guard. I have I have a few thousand people, illegal immigrants. I need help. And the federal government said, hey, babes, you're on your own. You're on your own. Well, then stop trashing the governor who's simply making sure that the southern border at least gets some relief and if they've had two million and the president of the united states two million across the border and the president of the united states is flying them all over we can bust them and i'm gonna what's the difference between a bus and the people on a bus that's loaded with um illegal migrants and people on a bus at a typical greyhound station you know what the difference is the people on the Greyhound bus, they, they 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 look a little bit different, and I'm only talking about how they're dressed. People who are on the buses that are sent from Texas, they all have new clothes, new sneakers. They've got new backpacks. They've got telephones. I mean, the American people don't get this stuff. But that's what's going on, and there's a fight against the Republicans. But that's just the least of it, because later this week, at the end of the week, Biden doubled down on bashing Trump and MAGA uh, in a speech that was ignored by a lot of the networks. And I got to tell you, the backdrop to that speech was frightening. It was it was a dark red with the military standing there with Joe Biden trashing Donald Trump. Donald Trump is not running in the midterms. But Joe Biden has made the mistake of telling anyone who's a MAGA Republican and 73, 74 million people voted for Donald Trump. He's telling them you are all pretty much disgusting, semi uh, fascist, and you are racist in everything that is bad about Republicans. The, thr- the Trump threat to him is something that is is overwhelming him and what he's doing is he is dividing the nation. The man who said he was going to unify the nation, be the adult in the room, is doubling down on division. And that division is a sad commentary. The say that the Republican Party and everyone who voted is driven uh, and intimidated and are a threat to this country is an outrage. You and I both know from history, this kind of derision and division does not have a happy ending. This is this is trying to gin up hate, trying to gin up a segregation. And, you know, the 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 fact that the president of the United States is doubling down uh, and saying it's not a political speech. It was a political speech. He says Republicans, all 73 million who voted for Donald Trump, embrace anger. They thrive on chaos. They live not in the light of truth, but in the shadow of lies. Together, we can choose a different path. 
It's one thing to trash another politician. It's a totally different thing to trash all the people who voted for that politician. And that is my opening statement uh, here on the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. And never forget, join the Tunnel to Towers Foundation on its mission to do good in honor of America's heroes. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. This is the Judge Jeanine Show. This is the Judge Jeanine Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Puro. Welcome back to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show. Joining us now is a radio host, media personality, and stand-up comedian. His name is Jimmy Fela. Now, Jimmy, uh, a lot of people have seen you on Fox. What they haven't seen is uh, you're funny and you're smart, but you're even funnier on a roller coaster. So what I'm talking about to all my listeners is Jimmy and I went to Coney Island on the roller coaster. And then what did we do, Jimmy? The cyclone, the Ferris wheel that doesn't feel like it's been serviced in 82 years. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're gonna cheat death with anybody, you cheat death with the judge because you'll at least have a fun time on the way out. That was well. Let judge. me tell you something. Jimmy and I did a segment for the five uh, at Coney Island. We did it for Memorial Day, and Jimmy, here we are on Labor Day weekend. The summer went too fast. I hate it. I hate the fact that you know everybody's now looking forward to the leaves changing. I don't want the leaves to change. I like it green. I'm happy, but I guess we don't have any say in any of that. Do you? Do you have any connections? Well, I'll make a few phone calls. You know, I, I have met some people from other dimensions back in my cab driving days. There's probably a guy, probably a guy who knows a guy judge. Yeah, I'll get yeah. back to you on that one. Yeah, get one of those guys. So, all right. So I didn't know you were a cabbie. Yes. Um, listen, the way my radio show's going this week, I might be a cabbie again by next week. No, I'm kidding. All right. What lines did you cross? And by the way, folks, he, he was a full-time host of Fox Across America on Fox News Radio and the Fox Nation streaming app. And uh, prior to that, he spent three years as head writer, on-air talent uh, on the Fox Business Channel. And uh, he's a New York City cab driver turned professional stand-up comic. And he's been on virtually every show on Fox. He was voting out, voted Outstanding Male Comedian of the Year in his one-hour comedy special. That's available on Amazon Prime. So I'm going to give you something to laugh about, Jimmy. Uh, later, uh, late in the week this past week, the president gave his Soul of the Nation speech. And <laughs> I got to tell you, I, I just keep going back and looking at, at, the, at, the, uh, at my phone at the backdrop. It looks like blood red with police <laughs> behind him. And he's in the dark. He's literally in the dark. You know, what was that movie? Scent of a Woman with Al Pacino. I'm in the dark. I mean, what do you think of it? (laughs) I think the White House press strategy, for real, is, well, you know, Joe's going to go out there and blurt out crazy things anyway. We might as well write some for him. That's what I think the strategy was, because it just looked nuts, just ranting and yelling at the country. It was the kind of thing I expect to see when I get on the subway at 2 in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Except it was against this weird, it had a production budget. It was basically the one train if the crazy guy ranting at 2 in the morning had hair and makeup. It was bizarre, Judge. It was bizarre. I don't understand why they had him in the dark. And he said, he talks about light and darkness. He says something about they live not in the light of truth, but in the shadow of lies. Together we can choose. A di- How do you choose a different path when he, he called 74 million Americans 
uh, semi-fascist. I mean, oh, oh, I love you now. Oh, I feel better. Okay, you united me. I'm with you. It's so fascinating. Like, you think of it this way, okay? He's trying to be Mr. Unity. Now, imagine you're throwing a unity party, and you send out save-the-date invitations. Something tells me you wouldn't call them fascists on the save-the-date if you wanted them to show up to this party. And that's yep. why, like, you know, none of this is serious. It's a, it, You know, it's like a joke at this point. Like, we see through it. But I guess they're hoping for the people who don't. I don't know. Well, listen, here, you know, if one of the things I said on the five is it was if you look back at history, you know, derision, name calling, uh, that never really has a happy ending because that's the kind of, of hate, you know, when they yeah. can call someone a semi fascist, obviously fascism, you think of Hitler, okay? Yep. And, you know, Hitler killed people. He killed six million Jews, among other people. And you say to yourself, He's calling me a semi-fascist at like a Mussolini and the rest of them. And then the nut jobs in the party and some of the other people come out and say, yeah, yeah, that's what they are. And, you know, all of a sudden people are ginned up to the point where they feel justified, like the guy who was in a baseball game instead of those guys (laughs) playing baseball, Republicans. And then he shoots one. Yep. That, I mean, and that's that's the fear here is it seems like this is deliberate, like they're trying to ratchet up so much animosity towards conservatives that anything that happens to one is OK. Like, I do feel like we're going in that direction. And I don't know if this is part of the heavier strategy that involves the FBI raiding Trump. And maybe they're just trying to paint a picture of, listen, it's OK, folks, that we're doing this egregious thing. You know, America is a 246-year-old country. We've never done this before, but it's okay because we've also never faced this before. But the truth is, as you know and I know, it is a scam. And I judge, I do think most people see through it, but I think he's playing to a component of his base. You and I know a lot of people. You know a lot of people who are like, you know, perfectly wealthy, prosperous lives, but have devoted their entire existence to hating Donald Trump. Because they don't know how to enjoy themselves. And partly they hate Trump because they hate themselves and they don't want to acknowledge that. And I think Mm -hmm. he's just catering to that because he knows that 30 percent will turn out in the midterms. And that just seems to be what this is. It's like, hey, we'll have a hate Trump party from now till November. I know 30 percent of you maniacs will, you know, take time out from your gender studies course to come vote. (laughs) I don't know. I was up with someone on, on the five two, and someone said, "Oh, they're not teaching gender studies." Are you? I said, "Are you kidding?" They had to pass a law in Florida to stop it. But yeah, and just one one last thought on it. Um, you know, the the vision is dark, and it reminded me of the Democrat National Committee. I mean, yeah. that you know that speech uh, and and their whole um, convention, I should say. Yeah, uh, no, I know. Yeah, it's dark. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, this is the thing. Whoever is staging these events. <laughs> Should, they should not have their student loan forgiven. I, they they should have to pay that NYU production, but you know, money full full right out of the pocket. Just I can't reward these aesthetics. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I I agree. Now I want to go to someone else, and we only have a couple minutes here. But I I, I get a charge out of this woman, that Lori Lightfoot, the the mayor in Chicago. <laughs> I mean, she sends me. I mean, she doesn't. All she has to do is show up, and she sends me because I know she's going to say something crazy. So she lashes out at Texas. And- her 
you know, Chicago was receiving uh, buses with uh, immigrants on them, illegal immigrants, and she calls Greg Abbott a racist. Meanwhile, she's an African-American and she's objecting to brown skinned people coming in. And uh, meanwhile, there are two million at the southern border that have been allowed in by Biden. Who does she pick a fight with? Greg Abbott, not Biden. And the same with uh, what's her name? Uh, uh uh, Bowser in D.C. and Eric Adams. I got to tell you, I have so given up on Eric Adams in New York City. This guy is all talk and no walk. He's all hat, no saddle. Give me another one and I'll throw it out there. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though. We got to be careful with Adams because if we want to get into the good nightclubs in New York, he's your guy. He goes to every nightclub in the city. He just basically wants to be He's a celebrity mayor. Jimmy Fallon, love having you on uh, on the show. Thank you so much, and keep up that sense of humor. Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been honoring America's heroes ever since. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's C, the number two, T.org. Up next here on the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show, we'll be speaking with Jared Kushner. Coming up right here on the Red Apple Audio Network. This is the Judge Janine Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Puro. Welcome back to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Joining us now is a very special guest, a former senior advisor to President Donald Trump. Uh, he has written a new book that is now number one on the New York Times list, the Wall Street Journalist, and he was number one on Amazon for a while as well, a lot of number ones. Uh, his new book is uh, called Breaking History, a White House Memoir. Uh, please join me in welcoming Jared Kushner, a uh, former senior advisor to President Donald Trump, uh, to the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Jared, uh, first of all, congratulations to you. I am sure that the record recognition that you were getting in terms of people who want to read your book uh, certainly counters a lot of the negative stuff that the media tried to write, but you get to put truth to the lot to the lie. All right. Well, the, first of all, it's great to be with you, Judge Jeanine. And, and uh, you know, I've, I've learned over time, there's definitely gravity in the world and, and cream rises and, you know, what mm. sinks. But I think that uh, what happened was, is the American people saw that over four years, a lot of things got done. Uh, the media kept predicting that everything Trump would do would end in a disaster. They said if he was elected, we'd have World War III, and he ended up making you know several peace deals. They said that the economy would be in a recession, and it was booming, and the wealth gap, wealth gap was shrinking, energy prices uh, were low, and, and wages were rising. And so I, I really tried to write a book that shows people what it was like to be inside the administration next to President Trump, working on all of these things, and then how these things got done in, in a very complicated Washington that was trying to resist President Trump and a lot of his policies. Oh, yeah, it was almost immediate. But I have to tell you, the book, Jared Kushner, Breaking History, a White House memoir, is a fascinating book. And of course, Jared, the first thing I did was go to the pictures. I imagine a lot of people do. And I just want my listeners to know there are pictures in this. And, uh, you know, the, the, the one of the things that uh, that we'll talk about in a minute is 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 Ivanka. But I really want to get into you had mentioned some some of the uh, uh, the agreements and the accords that you had. Uh, you were the grandson of a Holocaust uh, of Holocaust survivors, and uh, you worked on the Abraham Accords, and 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 it was a phenomenal tribute to the effort that you made and and the President Trump made, and now we have a president 
who is calling MAGA Republicans, 73, 74 million people who voted for Donald Trump semi-fascist. That has to kind of cut you in a, in a very unique way. You know, I, I'm kind of used to it at this point because they've been calling Trump and his supporters that uh, ever since he really started running. So I, unfortunately, I'm a little numb to it. Uh, but that doesn't make it any more ridiculous than than, than it is. And, you know, working uh, obviously on the Abraham Accords, it gave me the ability to meet people from both sides and kind of like the division that our current president is 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 stoking right now with his rhetoric. Uh, you had big divisions that had, were between the Israelis and, and the Muslims and the Arabs uh, that were based on leaders kind of misleading their people and trying to, you know, blame, uh, subvert, uh, try to deflect from their own shortcomings by blaming by scapegoating uh, another group of people. And so that mm-hmm. was what we took on in the Middle East. And by, by speaking with the leaders of, of Israel, Bibi Netanyahu, who is a tremendous leader, and, yes. and speaking with uh, Mohammed bin Salman and, and Mohammed bin, bin Zayed from the UAE and, and, and all those different leaders, we were able to get people to come together on how do we move forward to improve the lives of our people. And that's actually what we should be doing now in America, is that the leader uh, should be, you know, trying to bring people together to figure out how can we bring in economic policies that will help people, you know, have a better life instead of policies that are going to raise people's gas prices and uh, and and lead to, you know, massive inflation where food and everything is is going up. And in the meantime, is foreign policy, whereas Trump left the world with with peace. Now you have a war in Europe. China's being provocative. The the pullout in Afghanistan, where now the Taliban are in charge, is an absolute disaster. And it's all because of weakness and and just, quite frankly, terrible management. Well, you know, as someone who, you know, worked on the Abraham Accords and uh, obviously, you know, they were historic. The world has changed, as you just mentioned. How how different is it? And when you look at the world now with a war in Europe and, you know, the disastrous uh, exit from Afghanistan, you know, you've got to you've got to think about the impact and how America stands on the world stage now compared to when uh, your father-in-law was the president. Right. So that's actually part of the reason why I wrote the book is I wanted people to have a real understanding of what it was like to be inside the White House and in the room with President Trump when he was negotiating with Vladimir Putin or President Xi of China and how he inherited a world, especially in the Middle East, that had a lot of complexities. If you remember in 2016, ISIS had a caliphate the size of Ohio. Right. You had right. uh, terrorists and extremists, you know, people being radicalized online here in America. You had the San Bernardino shooting, the Pulse nightclub mm-hmm. shooting in Orlando. And this was a real issue. And President Trump didn't run away from the issue or start scapegoating others. He ran right to the issue. And I really tried to bring people into how that occurred, because there's a lot of things that happened behind the scenes that made it happen. And, you know, what I what that leaves me with today is that, you know, this stuff can be fixed very quickly. You have to get the career politicians out of the way. But unfortunately, you know, President Trump cleaned up a lot of the messes that were left by both the Democrats and the Republicans who came before him. Uh, but all of the, the career politicians are back in charge right now. And that's why you're seeing all of these you know, terrible problems uh, you know, developing. Well, you know, before the midterms, Jared, you know, we're seeing a division in this country. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen it like this before. Uh, and Joe Biden came in as a uniter. You know, he was going to be the, quote, adult in the room. And uh, America is more divided than ever domestically. 
Uh, and what is it going to take if a president is literally ginning up even more division by calling not just a political opponent, but the people who voted for someone who isn't even his opponent at this point, And we'll get to that issue in a minute. Um, you know, how do we heal? How does America? America's tired of this. You know, this Joe Biden gets up every day when he does work. And I understand he spent 30, 40 percent of his time on vacation in Delaware. I mean, how do we get the country back together? Right. So I, I think that it's it's definitely achievable. We have an amazing country with amazing people. But unfortunately, people right now are, are very much in their own echo chambers. And, you know, I can relate to that because, you know, before the campaign, I was in an echo chamber on the Upper East Side. I thought it was a pretty diverse place where I was getting different points of view. But I, I talk about in the book my journey of traveling with President Trump across the country, going to Springfield, Illinois, for the first rally that he invited me to. We show up uh, at the arena and um, and the, the person who's greeting him says, congratulations, you've broken the 36-year record. He says, from who? He says, Elton John turns to me and says, well, imagine if I had a guitar, how much better I'd do even with that. <laughs> and so we go in there, and nobody knew yeah. who I was. So I was able to walk around. And, you know, again, if you, you, know, you talk about how they're labeling people as fascists. That's basically what CNN was doing to a lot of the Trump supporters even then in 2015. And I walked around, and I, I really got to meet people and, and listen to them and saw that they were just hardworking Americans who felt like the government wasn't representing them. And so, uh, again, I I hope by seeing this book, having spent four years in government and one year on the campaign trail with with Donald Trump beforehand, Mm -hmm. people will get to see that there is a lot more nuance to the issue, and we have to do better at reaching out to people who disagree with us. And there were several instances of how Donald Trump was able to achieve uh, incredible bipartisan accomplishments. And I write about that in the book, whether it was the USMCA trade deal, which had over 85 votes in the Senate or the criminal justice reform, which had the same. And those were really breakthrough policies where he was able to bring people together. And I think that that's what we need in this country more of now. But it doesn't happen by demonizing. And I do think that the reason why they demonize him to the degree that they do is because he's an outsider. He's not a politician. Uh, He's a businessman. He's results driven. And his policies were really good. And I think they saw him as an existential threat to their power you know, somebody not from Washington coming into Washington and not playing by their rules. Well, clearly uh, they were threatened by him immediately, Jared. It was it was as though, you know, there was a spell that was cast over everyone like Donald Trump. We have to get rid of Donald Trump. We don't like Donald Trump. It's almost like, you know, you you have a gang, uh, you know, like a, an organized gang. And they're like, this guy's not from the gang. We have to get rid of him. And in the end, I think that 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 what we saw was a president who pulled back the veil and at the same time then decided uh uh, you know, that he was going to clean up the swamp. And, you know, he did to the extent that he could. But in terms of fentanyl, I just want to talk about this for a second. When the when when President Trump was in office, he he built that wall. And now they're estimating two point three million people have already come through from the time Joe Biden came into office. What do you think? And I know you can't get into Joe Biden's head, but what do you think is the the, the genesis of this? What do they think? How many will be enough? before they close the border? Or is it just going to be, you know, a globalist landing spot, America? Yeah, so I actually, I, I write in the book about how the wall got built. It was probably one of the hardest challenges of the Trump administration because the opposition saw it as a symbol of Trump delivering on his promises and being mm-hmm. able to protect America 
and they didn't want him to do it at, at any measure. So it was a massive battle. There was the longest government shutdown in history about it, and, and several people failed. You know, for the first two years, Steve Bannon and John Kelly had the job to do it. Neither of them got it done. So President Trump, right. I write about how he called me in to do it and how by the end he got a lot of the wall built. Uh, because it was so successful, the migratory pattern started changing and he commissioned even more wall, which when Joe Biden came in. And by the way, when President Trump left, border crossings were at a historic low, low meaning that he that's solved right. a lot of the problem. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden came in the first day. They undid everything that Trump did. And I don't know if they did it because they believed in the policies or they just reflexively thought that anything Trump did was bad. But it's led to an absolute humanitarian catastrophe. And again, my, my politics were much more centrist before I got involved with the campaign. And I yes. think they are. I think they're based on common sense. But the notion of a wall to protect your sovereignty is something that's that's common sense. And then when you learn about the, the people who are, are smuggled by these coyotes and, and these cartels up through 80 percent of the women are sexually uh, abused right. while they're they're brought up. And then a lot of the people who come into this country because they don't have green cards are effectively put into human slavery. And so there, there's a lot of humanitarian crises that are being caused because of this really misguided policy. It makes absolutely no sense. I, again, I even my most liberal friends and I, I still you know talk with them and I try to ask them and I try to have them explain to me they were so critical of Trump's border policy, why mm-hmm. they're OK with Biden's policy. And basically what, what did they tell is, you, you know, Oh, they say, I'm burnt out. I just don't want to talk about politics anymore. I say, wait, that's not fair. For four years, every single thing you were tweeting about and talking about, and now you're, quote, burnt out and don't want to talk about politics. So yeah. I think a lot, for a lot of people, is about, like, you know, fitting into a club or, or trying to be in the right social circle. And I, I feel badly that they have to, you know, uh, they have to kind of do all these illogical things in order to, uh, you know, in order to 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 kind of pose for their friends, uh, yeah, and to justify, you know, their their former standing on on a lot of this, and and uh, you know, the president obviously is in the news again. The former president Trump, uh, you know, filing uh, his response to the prosecution's papers, Department of Justice, and I I I thought it was it was somewhat humorous when he talks about uh, the Department of Justice saying that he has no standing to object to the. Raid and of Mar-a-Lago, and people uh, are offended by the word raid. I know what a raid is. A raid is what happened at Mar-a-Lago when they come in at six in the morning, guns are blazing, blow up a safe, and take over the the you know all of Mar-a-Lago. That's a raid. Uh, but the, the idea that the government is saying you don't have standing, uh, former President Trump, to object to this. Uh, and, it, you know, the classic standing is if things are taken from you or they come into your house under the Fourth Amendment and seize things that you you have standing and it's almost as though they're 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 interested in in making sure that they destroy this president no matter what the cost and the constitution be damned and let's just damn the torpedoes and go after him i mean they're not letting this go jared how does he feel about that and will he run again yeah so first of all it's it's driving him really crazy seeing what a bad <laughs> job they're doing with the country right you know if you think about it again just the economy he had the economy roaring the wealth gap was shrinking gas prices were low inflation was low wages were rising he made incredible trade deals manufacturing was starting to come back to this country um and uh, and again we had a peaceful world and he's watching how in just a year and a half uh, inflation's off the charts gas oh, prices have gone up nearly double and you have you know wars all over the place and so uh, so so first of all it's really bothering him seeing that and again if you go through my book uh, breaking history i write about 
all the policies, how he got these things done. And if he wasn't a competent president who didn't achieve great results, and again, he did them in an unconventional way, and I explained to people in the book how he did that, then, you know, it's a different argument. But I do think they see him as a threat, right? He leaves Washington, he packs his boxes, or somebody packs his boxes for him, and uh, and he leaves. And then basically they, they impeach him. They try to impeach him after uh, after he leaves. Then they're doing investigations, you know, in New York as to whether he's worth, you know, more or less money than he says. I, I guess, you know, his, his assets are worth even more than was in the statements, even though nobody yes. lost oh, money. Yeah. They're making him spend money do that. They, uh, they're then holding primetime hearings about how bad he is. All the you know, then they're they're raiding his house over paperwork. And by the way, if they were concerned about information there that shouldn't be public, now that they've done this public raid, there's way more interest from the New York Times and, and every place else on what was in those documents. So so they've yep. they've elevated themselves. And this seems like something that's paperwork. So after accusing him of treason, I write in my book about <laughs> the Russian investigation and then, you know, which for two years was was crazy. I write about uh, you know, obviously all the media attacks and I write about uh, the impeachment, where basically he tried to investigate corruption in Ukraine, uh, which he turned out to be oh, right about, and they impeached yes. him for that. And so it's the same people doing the same thing in the same way, leaking the same things to the same sources. And, and I think you just see it over and over again. And so, you know, look, it's, it's almost like he's like this uh, this, uh, this, this this ex-girlfriend that these guys can't quit. They can't and, and get they just, past. They, <laughs> they keep wanting him to be in the news and they keep, you know, it's almost like, you know, he, he left Washington and they don't want him to leave. And so, yeah. but again, I, I think it's because they see that when a businessman comes to Washington, somebody who's not beholden to anybody and who does things in an unconventional way, um, that that's a threat to the career politicians. Well, and and that's, no that's really what we've seen. There's no question. And 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 finally, um, you talk about in your book, Breaking History, you talk about Ivanka as your rock. I mean, clearly, it, it, she is a brilliant woman. Uh, she is stunning. Uh, your children are beautiful, Theodore, Joseph, and Arabella. Uh, she was able uh, to do it all in, in, a, in an incredible, incredibly fast-paced, crazy, stressful environment. Talk about her for a second. Yeah, so she she's an amazing person and somebody who did a lot of good. She had a, a great business, and we had obviously a great life in New York before her father ran for president. And uh, when her father won, she gave up her business to go and focus on the mission. She did a lot of amazing work to help she Americans uh, get an opportunity for better jobs through reskilling programs. She was working uh, overseas to get countries that had laws that would prohibit women from owning properties or having jobs to change that. And she was successful in many, cha- in many instances. Uh, she helped her father get tax reform passed. She did a lot of incredible things, all while being an incredible mother to our children and, and a really uh, strong wife for me. And- well, yeah, the, the book is an excellent book, everyone. Jared Kushner, Breaking History, a number one uh, on, a lot of, uh, on a lot of lists. And it is very interesting to read the book, folks, because uh, Jared Kushner literally puts you right next to the president and a lot of the things that went on. And you do it in such a rational, sensible way, uh, Jared. You have, a, you have a wonderful way about you. So we thank you for being on the, uh, on the show today. And my Much continued luck and regards to everyone at home. Jared Kushner, Breaking History. Uh, Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much, Janine. Great to be with you. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care.
I am proudly supporting the Tunnel to Towers 5K Walk Run New York City again this year, which is on Sunday, September 25th, and we need your help. Help us remember those lost on 9-11 as we retrace FDNY firefighter Stephen Siller's final footsteps together. I'm going to be out there at the event and would really appreciate you donating to my team. It's really simple to support the Tunnel to Towers Foundation Janine Pirro team. Here's how you do it. Go to wabcradio.com slash walk and click on my photo to donate to my team. I'm trying to beat my numbers from last year. That's wabcradio.com slash walk. Thank you for your support as together we help America's heroes. One of the largest walks in New York City for a great cause. wabcradio.com slash walk. Up here next on the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show, I will gavel out with my closing argument. It's all coming up here on the Red Apple Audio Network. Janine show. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. This is the Judge Janine Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Puro. Welcome back to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show. This is America. It's Labor Day weekend. People are coming together, going to barbecues. It's also a time for us to focus on family and the people that we care about. America is the greatest country on earth. I love this country. I am blessed to have been born here. I am blessed to have had a father and grandfather who both fought in World War II, both veterans. I love this country, and I hate what's happening to it. I hate the fact that politics is so destructive. When Joe Biden gave his speech at the end of the week, that setting was so disturbing it it just it's in the back of my mind i don't understand why he was projecting this gloomy blackness dark and and you know murkiness uh when this is such a great country that is all about light and transparency and freedom i'm even more disturbed by the setting and that the blood red background and the military standing there and the darkness around the president than I am about what he said. And what he said was very disturbing. Calling half of the country who voted for his opponent in the last election semi-fascist. This is unheard of, folks. This is unheard of in American history. Sure, politicians call each other names all the time. But when you deride and divide Americans, 74 million of them, you are ginning up hate. Hate is hate. Hate leads to violence. Violence leads to retaliation. And that leads to community unrest and worse. We have seen it over and over again in history. I don't like what I saw this week. And you should be very uncomfortable with it as well. We're better than that. 
come out and talk about you want to talk about education and parents and gas and energy and climate change whatever you want to talk about abortion talk about it don't don't create this this division that anyone who doesn't agree with you is an unworthy american and an unworthy human being that's what it all came down to folks sad sad commentary on a president who swore to bring us together and has done everything but. We're out of time, folks. I want to make sure that you join us right back here next week. Same time, same place for the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Have a great day, everyone. Enjoy today and tomorrow if you have Labor Day off. And if you have to work like I've done for many years, then enjoy the fact that you have a job. God bless. Take care.